One thing I w- we mentioned before, and uh, I thought we could maybe do it, is this thing about singing. Right, I remember. Yes, of course. Yeah, so I I have it here. I, we can read it and. Right. Uh, the the title of it is it's it's from I don't know Stacy Horn or somebody who. But anyway, singing changes your brain. Group singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and elevate endorphins. When you sing, musical vibrations move through you, altering your physical and emotional landscape. Group singing, for those who have done it, is the most exhilarating and transformative of all. It takes something incredibly intimate, a sound that begins inside you, shares it with a room full of people, and it comes back as something even more thrilling, harmony. So it's not surprising that group singing is on the rise. According to Chorus America, 32.5 million adults sing in choirs, up by almost 10 million over the past six years. Many people think of church music when you bring up group singing, but there are over 270,000 choruses across the country, and they include gospel groups to show choirs like the one depicted in Glee to strictly amateur groups like Choir, 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 singing David Bowie's The Man Who Sold the World. As the popularity of group singing grows, science has been hard at work trying to explain why it has such a calming yet energizing effect on people. What researchers are beginning to discover is that singing is like an infusion of the perfect tranquilizer, the kind that both soothes your nerves and elevates your spirits. The elation may come from endorphins, a hormone released by singing, which is associated with feelings of pleasure. Or it might be from oxytocin, another hormone released during singing, which has been found to alleviate anxiety and stress. Oxytocin also enhances feelings of trust and bonding, which may explain why still more studies have found that singing lessens feelings of depression and loneliness. A very recent study even attempts to make the case that music evolved as a tool of social living and that the pleasure that comes from singing together in our, is our evolutionary reward for coming together cooperatively instead of hiding alone, every, every cave dweller for himself or herself. <laughs> the benefits of singing regularly seem to be cumulative. In one study, singers were found to have lower levels of cortisol indicating lower stress. A very preliminary investigation suggesting that our heart rates may sync up during group singing could also explain why singing together 
sometimes feels like a guided group meditation. Study after study has found that singing relieves anxiety and contributes to quality of life. Dr. Julian K. Johnson, a researcher who has focused on older singers, recently began a five-year study to examine group singing as an affordable method to improve health and well-being of older adults. It turns out you don't have to be a good singer to reap the rewards. According to one 2005 study, group singing can produce satisfying and therapeutic sensations even when the sound produced by the vocal instrument is of mediocre quality. Hmm. Singing groups vary from casual affairs with no audition. Uh, singing groups vary from casual affairs where no audition is necessary to serious, committed, professional, or avocational choirs like the Los Angeles Master Choral or my chorus in New York City, which I joined when I was 26 and depressed, all based on a single memory of singing in a choir at Christmas, an, ex an experience so euphoric I never forgot it. If you want to find a singing group to join, choir plays and cornet are good places to begin, or more local sites like the New York Choral Consortium, which has links to the vocal area networks and so on. So, yeah. Wow. Even if you've walked into rehearsals, let, let me, let, here's one thing. Group singing is cheaper than therapy, healthier than drinking, and certainly more fun than working out. It is the one thing in life where feeling better is pretty much guaranteed. Even if you walked into rehearsal exhausted and depressed, by the end of the night you'll walk out higher as a kite on endorphins and goodwill. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, that's, I mean, this is what most people tend to accept, the scientific community. Exactly. And what their studies have proven and mm. you know, etc. So, you know, this is what has been taught in the Vedas since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is eternal knowledge and now you know, science is kind of just having to admit that singing is special, singing is different, you know, and you can quantify it now with endorphins and mm -hmm. cortisol and, you know, all the different things we just read, which, you know, makes it so the common person will be more receptive to it. Mm. Because you have all those, like, measurable benefits as well, all the material benefits as well, apart from yeah. the spiritual. Because most people really don't care that much about the spiritual effect. It's like, how does it make me feel? <laughs> you know, yeah. am I going to have fun doing it? <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, this might, you know, spark interest in singing, and especially group singing. If you remember what we just read, it was it's group singing that's even, you know, more 
dynamic and more therapeutic and then you just happen to be that that's the meditation method above all that's recommended for this time and age congregation congregational chanting or singing of these mantras yeah wow yeah. <laughs> so that's why we're always encouraging people to come sing with us <laughs> You know, there's <laughs> everything to gain and nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. But the difference between our singing, chanting the mantras, and, and the singing that was being referred to here, you know, is that these mantras are transcendental sounds. They're not just words. They're not just a song. They're transcendental sounds. That's a completely different category, you know, of sound, yeah. which we have no experience of and, and we can't even relate to how one sound can be so much different than another sound. Yeah. I mean, sound is sound, right? Exactly. But of course, on the material level, we know that's not true. Some, you know, sounds, if you will, are very soothing and some are devastating. You know, they use sonic weapons, sound weapons, you know. And so even on a material level, all sound is not equal. But to bridge the gap between material and spiritual sound with the material mind and laboratory experiments and so on is impossible. Mm. But there is a complete difference. Okay? And so we, the spirit soul, this is what we need. This is our spiritual food. You know, this is what nourishes us. This is what fills us up. This is what makes us healthy. And all the things that are positive for the soul are available in transcendental sound. I guess that's kind of like the bird in the cage analogy. I, I like that very much, you know. It's little little birds sitting in the cage and we're polishing the cage all the time, but there's a bird inside as well that needs attention. Yeah, and you know, you like you said, you know, if you never tasted ice cream, you can't relate to <laughs> ice cream. Right. Mm. Or in the Vedas it says like a bee licking on the outside of the jar of honey. You can't taste the honey. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we're the jar for us, that which separates us from the taste, spiritual taste of this transcendental sound, is all this contamination and material, you know, desires and attitudes and, you know, false identity and all the things that we talk about every week. Uh, that's, that's what's keeping us from tasting you know, the sweetness of the holy names. Hmm. So, the process of bhakti yoga is to, you know, purify one of those contaminants. You know, and gradually one begins to be more attracted to the chanting. You know, it's not just singing. It's singing, yeah, and all the benefits that come from that, which we just read. But it's it's more than that, you know. It's the 
It's the, the, the attraction. It's almost like an, in, an invisible attraction. You don't, you can't really define it. Like, I just want to do it. I like doing it. Mm. You know, I feel good when I do it. It's, it's, you know, it's, you know, people have been trying to formulate experiences in words forever. <laughs> and, and, you know, some people are better at it than others. But really, words can only take us so far. You know, they can kind of just point us in the right direction or, mm. you know, make us aware of a certain reality. But until one experiences it, they just really don't know. 